18. What a nice, rounded number. Oh, what the pet? Episode 18. Howdy. Good after morning, noon, evening. You know, because I have no idea when you're listening. It could be early morning, even. Doesn't matter. You're listening. That's what counts. And I appreciate it. Triple Frontier. Yep, I saw it. Captain Marvel. I really did see it this time. We got some trailers to talk about. And, um, hmm. I guess you'll just have to listen and hear what else I have to talk about. Because that's why you're here. To listen. Welcome along. Nah, that's not a good opening. What about welcome aboard? Nah, that's typical. I don't care. I'm just glad you're here. Hello. And let's go. Let's kick it off by talking about fast food. I love some good fast food. There's some good fast food out there. And I don't know how long ago, but Dairy Queen discontinued that mushroom in Swiss. Why? I have no idea. Well, I might have an idea, but the good news is, thank you, Dairy Queen. It's back. I'll also talk about their Coke a little later on. Right now, we're talking about the mushroom in Swiss. This is their best burger on the menu, if you ask me. But right now, I don't hear anybody asking me, so I'm just telling you. And again, thank you, Dairy Queen. So here's my theory. It's kind of like the Mc, McRib. I know it's not really a rib. Anyway, um, I wonder if I could freeze dry those and have them when I want. Anyway, back to the mushroom and Swiss. <laughs> it is such a fabulous burger with that bun and their mushrooms and the cheese and all of that. So the theory, I think, is much like the McRib, back to what we were talking about, is I think they said, hey, everybody loves this. Let's pull back and not have it, which just stopped me from going to Dairy Queen. But then the other day, headed to the store over on the uh, little billboard for Dairy Queen. They're like, the mushroom and Swiss is back. I'm telling you right now, I went grocery shopping and headed right over. I should have got two, but, you know, it's probably not good to even have one, let alone two. So, yeah, devoured that. And uh, definitely, thanks, thanks, Dairy Queen. I was having trouble deciding what I wanted for lunch that day. But you helped me choose lunch. Plus, with your ice cream desserts, I could have chosen a really good dessert, too. But, I, you know, I just went with the mushroom and Swiss meal. I also have a uh, McGriddle um, problem. Uh, hi, I'm Patrick, and I have a McGriddle problem. I was dying when that is now on the all-day menu. The sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddle. <laughs> just thinking about it. I know, once again... Not good for you, but damn. And then Tim Hortons tries to do justice with a breakfast sandwich. Uh, uh, Some of their sandwiches are really good, but then they came out with this maple waffle thing that if I couldn't be around and get a McGriddle, I was definitely going for that. But only certain ones carry it, which is weird. I don't know why, because this thing is damn good too. So there's my fast food issues. What are some of yours? I bet you have some favorites that you're like, man, I, I got to stop for that. And then I just see in the news, Burger King is going to have their $5 a month coffee club. 
if you get five coffees a month, that's like a buck a cup of coffee. That's that's a pretty good deal. And Burger King's coffee is decent if you're in a pin, you know, or a bind and need coffee, and you have this five dollar, you know, month club. Someone broke it down like if you had coffee every day, it'd be seventeen cents a cup, you know, per thing. But that's that's a pretty good deal. I mean, and some people, you know, they don't care. They're like, hey. I like gas station coffee, so why not do the Burger King $5 a month coffee club? That's that's crazy. Of course, they're bank, probably banking you'll come in and buy a burger. I wonder if it'd be like MoviePass. All of a sudden, you know, your coffee card's not working, and, and then you're like, damn, I can't, I can't get my coffee. And then you start reading in the news about how their stock is. is I, I might have went off the train here. Sorry. I'm back on. I'm back on. All right, you got my attention again. But I guess now that we're talking coffee... Why don't we talk beverages? A few minutes ago, I mentioned uh, Dairy Queen and uh, grabbing a Coke. So, they do all right. I think the last few times I've been to Dairy Queen, they've, they've done some justice with the Coke. So, there you go. Another place you could probably enjoy a, a decent Coke, even though McDonald's is still top. But while we're talking about Coke, because that seems to be my theme the last few episodes, is I, I don't know if you ever remember Coke Black. That was that was pretty good, but I didn't see it lasting. It was like a... I totally can't remember if it was Coke and coffee mixed together or what they did, but it was an interesting beverage. And I found that if you're missing that flavor, it's easy to replicate again, because I do it every now and then. Um, what I'll do is I'll have a Coke open in a nice glass of my choice, and then I'll actually have coffee with me, and uh, I'll take sips of both, and uh, it it's sort of, uh, it's a flavor I enjoy, but yeah, I mix Coke and coffee, which is, this is totally, totally fine. People mix, mix weird things all the time, and I do it with cold brew or a nice hot cup of coffee, really, so, yeah. There you go. Sometimes you like a hot beverage and a cold beverage together. I actually kind of did it by accident because I opened a Coke one day and I was like, oh, I have this cup of coffee. And then I was like, hey, I made my own Coke black. (laughs) Oh, we're putting in the call for Talk Tech. It's Talk Tech time. That technically wasn't singing. I think that was humming. But that's not, you're not here for the humming. You're here for like, what are you talking about this week, Pat? What cool stuff? It's been shower stuff. It's been that thing to brush your teeth. This week, I want to talk about how much I love my iKettle 2. I believe it's the iKettle 2. I know it's the second version. I'm not sure if they call it that, but if you go to their website, it's called iKettle. It's a smart kettle, which is way cool. And it's actually the third version, third gen. I might have second gen. I don't know. I have to look, but if so, they look the same. Why do I like it? Well, you can adjust your temperature of your water that you're heating. So if, if you're doing tea, different teas, I don't know if you realize this, take certain temperatures or you can, you know, ruin the flavor of the tea, which is something I've learned over time. Also with coffee, having your water at a certain temperature is key to to certain flavors. But what's cool about this is it's smart. I can see how much water is in it from my phone. I know you're like, that's lazy. Anyway... It's good to know because if you're turning it on remotely, you want to make sure water's in it. What? You can turn this on remotely? Yes. So it's app-enabled too. You can see how much water's in it. You can adjust your temperature, Celsius or Fahrenheit, depending on where you're from. And it also works with um, 
Google, and Alexa. So sometimes in the morning, because I'll have everything ready the night before, water's filled up and everything, I can just, you know, ask one of my devices to turn it on. And then by the time I get my lazy rump out of bed, the water's boiled and I just pour it into my French press. So it's cool. It, It can be lazy, but it's helpful and I find it helpful. And it costs a little more than just like a regular plug in kettle, which you're probably saying you could probably get the kettle and a timer and do it for a lot less. But then you don't get all the cool features. That's why we're talking talk tech. That's the whole point of the conversation here. Info will be in the notes. It's one of those cool things. There's another one out there too. I believe it's called App Kettle. And uh, it's a little different. But, you know, in this day of smart devices and all that, it's cool. Because I I do, do have the home wired for smart home. And an older home is a little harder. But we won't get into that. This was all about the iKettle. I'll switch it on up now. What have I been watching? Well, that's what I'm here to tell you. So yes, I did see Captain Marvel. I know last week I uh, was messing around and saying I saw it when I did. I don't even, I don't know. I don't know. I was being goofy. Anyway, I did go and see it. What did I think? I had a great time. I thought the movie was done decently. They played it safe, it seemed like. Uh, But overall, I really did enjoy it, and I thought it was a great addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and putting things together in this giant puzzle, because I'm sure it's not easy trying to put all these characters and everything and keep a cohesive storyline and even make a standalone movie, so to speak, that's still tied to the others. So do I think if you haven't watched many of the Marvel movies, you could go see this and have fun? I do. Will you understand what's going on? I think you'll understand what's going on. So that's the nice part about this. Overall, though, it was a decent movie. I mean, it's not something to rave about and go, wow, and everything. Because you got to look at the franchise and what they got going on and what everybody's doing and all of that. And they've put out a ton of movies uh, to keep this story going and everything. And it's a great build up to what we're going to be getting here in April is Endgame, which looks phenomenal. Also, if you haven't seen the latest trailer, watch it. Unless you don't, you know, want to watch trailers and stuff, because it'll it'll definitely get you pumped and, and hyped and ready for this. Uh, my favorite part of the new trailer is the end part with Thor and Captain Marvel, which I won't talk about. I'll let you watch it. I hate to spoil it. And also, of course, you know, no Captain Marvel spoilers. It's just a well-done movie. You know, I had fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Ben Mendelsohn was probably one of my favorites in it. It was it was great. And I'll let you watch and decide for yourself on that too. And the de-aging process. Wow. It's come a long way. Long, long way. And it's nice having Colson back. Oh yeah. And then today I kicked on Triple Frontier. I've been wanting to see it. I dig Ben Affleck and uh, everybody else in the movie. Oscar Isaacs, uh Oh, man. Pedro. Oh, I have to look it up. (laughs) And, uh, uh, of course, Charlie Hunan. Pretty sure that's how you say it. Anyway, the movie was decent. I I think I might have been disappointed had I gone to the theater and watched it. But seeing it at home, it was all right. It wasn't what I expected. And I'm not sure. I guess I was expecting... 
more from it. Try not to give spoilers here. So, if you're interested in see it, watch it. Be curious to hear your feelings on it. I'm not saying don't watch it, um, but yeah, no, uh, I don't know. I'm on the fence. Maybe it'll take time to absorb or not. But there you go. My feelings on it. As far as TV goes, I'm still in deep with The Walking Dead. Last episode was great. Uh, I love seeing more of Daryl. And uh, we got some pretty good bad guys going with the whispers. And bad women. I don't think we can say bad guys and call you know lump it together. There's some bad women in the whispers too. So it looks like uh, what I think episode 14 is tonight. So three more before the season finale. Of course, Fear the Walking Dead will be coming back. So kind of a little buffer in between there. Uh, of course, Survivor. That's still going strong. It's interesting. Trying to figure out what Extinction Island is. And, oh, Hap and Leonard. That's It's a refreshing show. It's on Netflix. Also, it has, because I didn't even tell you who said it already. Um, but I could do that right now. Because, I mean, just started season one. So it has Christina Hendricks, which you probably know from Firefly or Good Girls. Or I haven't seen it. I believe she's in Mad Men too, but she's in it. James Purefoy. I could tell you who he is in a second if you don't know who he is. And uh, Michael Kenneth, which I've seen him in stuff, uh, but I don't remember offhand what that stuff is that I've seen him in. But the three of them together, it's it's pretty good. I enjoy the three together on screen. The acting's decent. The show is a little, it's a little weird at points, but... Uh, overall, it's fun. It's fun. Uh, it also has oh, what's her name? It's it's a little ah. Oh, it's got Jimmy Smith in it too. Um, but she's because this came out before she was on Walking Dead. Oh, why can't I think of her name? Oh yeah, Pollyanna McIntosh is in it, and uh, it. I I don't want to give anything away, but she, she's pretty phenomenal. Again, if you're asking me, you know, but that's, you know, just my input on this. But also, you know, you know, James Purefoy from uh, the following, uh, but he has done other stuff. I mean, he's also in A Knight's Tale with Heath, Heath Ledger, and he's he's got a pretty good track record. Oh, man, Troll Hunters. I didn't know he was in that. Looks like he's a voice. I'm, yeah, I'm just looking at his little, I'm looking at his resume. Dang, he was in Altered Carbon. I haven't seen that either. But I like him as an actor. Um, a show you probably hadn't seen him in, actually a movie. Oh, look at that, John Carter. As we go through the list here, on and on. Oh, what was, what was it? It, it, uh, hey, look, Resident Evil. Done quite a bit. I can't, I, there was one movie I really enjoyed him in, and uh, I don't think, it, I think it came and went, but, uh, whew. You're going with me on this little scrolling tale of, uh, you know, looking for the movie he was in. Look at that Frankenstein TV movie. Uh, you know, I'm sure you could look at this too and, and be like, oh, hey, Solomon Kane. That was, it was a decent, fun movie. I enjoyed him in that. But Happen Leonard, it's, it's on Netflix, three seasons. I just finished season one. It, it's a fun show. So if you like some fun, mindless entertainment and something a little different, it's worth watching. 
Uh, also watch the uh, Fire Festival Hulu documentary. Next up is uh, the one on Netflix. Be cool to see the differences in the two. Man, what a shit show. <laughs> I, I do feel sorry for some of the people. Like, you get excited to go do it, and then, you know, you were jammed. Pretty interesting. It's crazy how it just went down, and I do know some people are in trouble because of it. Also, uh, I did plan, like I said, to see the one on Netflix, but of course Netflix is like, hey, why don't you watch this? The Disappearance of Madeline McCain, or McCann. I think it's McCann. Anyway, that is an eight-episode docuseries that is, again, interesting. Feels a little one-sided, just like they are, but, you know, like I said, keep that in mind with documentaries. But I will say this. I would never go to dinner in a foreign country at a resort and leave my three kids in the room saying I'm going to check on them every 20 minutes. That's just a formula for disaster. And the decision for them to do that just involves so many other people in their lives because their daughter comes up missing. But the docuseries is pretty cool. Eight, like I said, so uh, you can check it out. If you like some depressing stuff. (laughs) Because I'm not here to depress you. Uh, Just police cases and stuff like that, just find them interesting and uh, the way they're shooting documentaries like I said nowadays are pretty intriguing and and give it some more feel to it one that is coming out I think March 29th The Legend of Cocaine Island oh, <laughs> it's on Netflix trailers out uh, if I remember I'll put it in the show notes but or if not you know because I'm a little flighty in the head but this looks pretty funny uh, it's basically about some cocaine that's supposedly a bag of cocaine that's on an island in the Caribbean. Or do you say Caribbean? Caribbean? Anyway. Yeah. Looks funny. I think you get a bunch of, you know, crazy guys going to look for it. Which, I don't know what you would do with a bag of cocaine once you found it, and what would happen to you if you were caught with it. Well, I could imagine. How do you explain that? I just found it. You know, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> didn't mean to go off in here. Like, uh, no, I was, I was just holding these drugs for a friend. Uh, okay, no problem. Yep, I'll totally believe you. But that looks funny. Trailer's out. Go check it out. Well, why don't we roll into the history segment of the show? I'm gonna go dig up something from my great grandfather and read it to you. But before I do that, why don't I? play a little tidbit from my aunt from 1948 when she visited Santa Claus. I'm not sure how old she was, but she was little. Here you go. Hi, Lynn. Hi. How are you today? Fine. What would you like Santa to bring you for Christmas? A wedding and a bride and a little horse. Mm-hmm. And what else? And a bride. And a scooter. Uh, can you look at Santa when you say that? A bike and a scooter and, um, and a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, what else would you like Santa to bring you? A horse. Mm-hmm. Can you sing a song for Santa today? Mm-hmm. Hmm? Do you know Jingle Bells? Mm-mm. I don't know any songs. 
Well, if you're a good little girl and you mind your mommy and daddy and go to bed when they tell you to and drink all your milk and eat all your dinner, when Santa comes around on Christmas, he'll have a nice surprise for you. Okay? Okay, bye-bye. I found it cool because... When I got my photos with Santa Claus or pretty much anybody, it was a photo. But looks like back in 1948, you could get it recorded onto vinyl. How cool is that? I'm sure people just video it now and everything. But that was cool to find, and I was happy to actually get it transferred over. And now it's out to the masses. I uh, often use archive.org and put historical stuff up there because uh, I think it's cool keeping pieces of history out there. So. And uh, something from my great-grandfather. The Madison Spirit, Voyage 38 East, SS President Madison, R.J. Healy, Master, Friday, September 30th, 1932. We are reprinting a letter received from the passengers of the President Madison, Voyage 38 East, which is done for the benefit of the officers and crew involved in the rescue of the survivors of the SS Nevada. This is being done at their request. Mr. A.F. Haynes, Vice President, American Mail Line, Seattle, Washington. Dear Mr. Haynes, We, the undersigned, who comprise the entire list of first and special class passengers of the SS President Madison, who were aboard on the occasion when this vessel effected a rescue of the survivors of the wrecked freighter Nevada of the State Steamship Company on September 29, 1932, Amatakniak Island. One of the Aleutian group wished to take this opportunity to express our unanimous view that the rescue was effected under such difficult and dangerous circumstances that the fact does great credit to the master, the officers, and the men of the SS President Madison. We regard the exploit as extraordinary and desire that these men should know our feelings and appreciation for the acts of skilled seamanship and exceptional heroism without which this rescue could not have been accomplished. These circumstances have left with us a deep impression of respect and confidence for the master, the officers and men of this passenger steamship. We wish here to draw attention to those circumstances which, in our opinion, mark this feat as especially meritorious. The rescue of the survivors of the freighter Nevada was only made possible by the skill and seamanship exhibited by Captain R.J. Healy, master of the SS President Madison. After intercepting the distress signal of the Nevada, which gave the unfortunate freighter's bearings, the only wireless message received from that ship. Captain Healy, remaining on the bridge for 36 hours, steered a course remarkably direct to Amatignac Island, navigating a ship to within a distance from which observation could be made of the general condition of the wrecked ship. He took adequate precautions to avoid the hazards presented by concealed and uncharted reefs and submerged rock pinnacles known to exist there. The modesty with which he seeks to give all the credit for the rescue to officers and men only serves to reflect great credit upon himself. Our opinion, evidently, being shared by the sailors who, after the rescue, were heard to make respectful reference to the old man on the bridge. Shortly after noon on the 29th, two lifeboats, one in tow by the motor-driven boat, the latter commanded by W.M.C. Wallace, junior officer, with J.R. Geisler, first assistant engineering in charge of the engine, the boats being under the command of E.J. Stull, third officer, put off from the SS President Madison in order to attempt the rescue of survivors of the wreck Nevada. They returned four hours later, 
19 men in all compose the crews of the two lifeboats. These having been chosen from among volunteers, those manning the boats being, I apologize if I mispronounce anybody's name, I'll do the best I can, John Davis, A.B., E. Bloomberg, A.B., M. Canalonga, A.B., Joe Wales, A.B., Joe Hart, A.B., M. Mickelson, O.S., L. Aksutik, Boatson, C.H. Richardson, Carpenter, and E.J. Stull, third officer, in command, these in the towed lifeboat, and Alex Ingman, A.B., Geo Thewson, Jr., A.B., O. Watson, A.B., A.V. Lancaster, Q.M., Geo Gibson, Boatswain Mate, J.R. Geisler, First Assistant Engineer, Bill Fulkerson, Machinist, and W.M.C. Wallace, Junior Officer, in command of the motorboat. These men had full previous knowledge of certain of the dangers involved, weather hazards in an open boat, dangers presented by submerged rocks and reefs, a surf beaten offshore, a strong current in the vicinity of the wrecked freighter, pieces of wreckage and logs being tossed about by the waves, and meshed masses of floating kelp, weed particularly dangerous to a motorboat, and a rocky foreshore making it extremely doubtful if any landing might be affected without capsizing the lifeboats, much dependent on whether the engine in the motorboat continued to run properly. After proceeding to the wreck and finding that the Nevada had been dashed in two on the rocks, the superstructure laying a half mile off the structure, and after asserting that there were no signs of life on the wreckage, three survivors were sighted on the beach. In spite of a high surf breaking, drifting kelp, and dangerous submerged rocks, a high swell prevented from breaking only by the oil slick on the water, these hazards being increased by a strong current, an unsuccessful attempt was made to anchor the motorboat and to back the lifeboat stern first shoreward. A second attempt to anchor closer inshore failed. Mr. Wallace courageously volunteered to take the motorboat alone closer in and try to float a bow line ashore. The third officer, however, considered this to be too hazardous and not feasible. Finally, after two hours or more of unsuccessful attempts to get the lifeboats near shore without capsizing them, an attempt to row in to about a hundred yards offshore and to anchor there succeeded. After unsuccessful attempts to get a bow line ashore, E. Bloomberg, who had stripped his clothing, went overboard in the cold water with a life belt and a bow line fastened to him. He swam to the rocks through the surf. It does not detract from his act of heroism to record that nearly every member of the boat's crew likewise volunteered to make the attempt to swim ashore. Bloomberg, careless of his own life, knowing that he stood a chance to be dashed against the rocks by the breakers, nevertheless successfully swam ashore with the bow line, thus enabling the three castaways ashore to be hauled out to the lifeboat by the line. The crew then rowed out to the motorboat, which took it in tow to the ship with the rescued men aboard. The rescue would not have been possible but for the efficient handling of the motorboat and its engine. It is evident, therefore, that except for the daring act of heroism accomplished by E. Bloomberg, who swam ashore under the most perilous circumstances, the officers and men of both lifeboats each should share alike the credit for this extraordinary feat of rescuing the three survivors of the unfortunate freighter Nevada. Except for their timely rescue, these men would probably have been unable to endure much longer the combined hardships of exhaustion, long exposure in the cold water, and on the unsheltered beach and hunger. Captain Healy, who might be expected to be the first to recognize the service of a fellow man of the sea, 
pays high tribute to the role played by the Japanese captain of the Oregon Maru, a freighter of the Yamashita Steamship Company who also picked up the distress signal of the Nevada. Altering her course, the Oregon Maru proceeded to the Amatignac Island. On September 28th, the day after the wreck of the Nevada, this Japanese vessel attempted to rescue the survivors. The attempt failed, however, since the vessel had no motorboat and a lifeboat which was sent out manned with 10 Japanese sailors capsized and was lost. The crew being saved, however, in spite of the injuries of the three of them. Great credit, therefore, is due to the Oregon Maru and its master who continued to communicate with the SS President Madison by wireless. When the fog lifted off Amatignac Island the morning of the 29th, the Oregon Maru steered a course toward the wreck Nevada, thus assisting the master of the President Madison to get close and safely. Throughout this episode, the captain of the Oregon Maru displayed a fine brand of seamanship in facilitating the rescue of the survivors of the Nevada. No tribute would be complete, which neglected to mention the fine spirit of the men of the SS President Madison who accomplished this feat. The whole thing was accomplished in such an apparently unconcerned, fact manner that it was difficult to realize the dangers in which each knew to be in wait for him. When the lifeboats eventually returned, the sailors' accounts of what had transpired were devoid of self-praise but replete with modesty. To have experienced this exhibition of Personal courage, true heroism, and skilled teamwork in the face of great hazards was to take a powerful antidote against the prevalent malady depression. And below would be signatures of the passengers. So I've had that letter for years and, you know, read it and never really put two and two together that I actually have the medal that my great grandfather got for the uh, rescue operation that he was a part of. So I never really had the full story. I just knew he was part of a rescue mission, and I thought that was cool. And I wouldn't have found, I wouldn't have linked the two had it not been for a couple people I've met online and uh, saltwaterpeoplehistoricalsociety.blogspot.com actually has some information about that up. And uh, I have some even more photos now of my great-grandfather that I didn't have before thanks to that blogspot. So that's cool. You can check it out too. I'll have the link in the show notes. Um, but it's it's pretty neat getting to tie it all together. It is like a police investigation, I guess. You know, you get pieces here and there, and then over the years it all starts coming together, which can suck in that sense. But this is a historical sense, so it's really neat to have pieces of the puzzle. And I'm happy to share it with everybody, and I think it's neat that uh, I can get this out to other people who find it really interesting. Sharing is caring, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I think I finally broke a record. I always thought and envisioned my podcast would last like an hour long, but I seem to keep it within the 30-minute time constraint and oftentimes I'm under that, and I think I finally crested over it. That's an exciting feat for me. Way to go on episode 18. Yes. Well, oh, what do you think? Well, that probably wasn't what you were thinking. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pull the plug. If you're riding that merry-go-round ride, pick up your feet. You don't want to drag them, you'll lose a shoe. (laughs) Ah, Remember that? Did you lose a shoe? I don't know. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming along for the ride. I'm having a lot of fun doing this and couldn't couldn't do it without people listening, right? Otherwise, I'd be talking into thin air. Ah, ah, ah. Again, if you want to 
hit me up with questions, comments. You can do that on iTunes and rate me. That helps move me up the chain. You can email me at whatthepatpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit the website, whatthepat.com, and find the links to everything. And like I said, do my best with the show notes and all that. But for now, I'm going to wrap it up, put a bow on it, and uh, set it down for unwrapping later. Okay. Good man with you, you understand. Uh.